Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season brought to you by News Talk. Saga 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarland and pleased to be joined by mom and dad, Jack and Lynn to many, but to me, the creators of me. Guys, how are you? Matthew, not too bad. Yeah, I'm doing well. Yep. Wonderful, wonderful. Hopefully we are getting closer and closer to actually being able to be in the same room to to do the growing season. Right now we're still on phones. This week, we're going to be pricks. Well, kind of. Okay, we're going to be chatting about Cacti. This is a show that we've had kind of bandied about for the last little bit and even even as far as back as last year we, we, we talked about doing a cactus show and we were somewhat intimidated by it and after doing some of the research we learned that there was not nearly as much to be intimidated about but this is a highly specialized very different horticultural organism okay many of us have seen cactus whether it be in our homes or on some manner of television screen or anything like that we have seen these things and we wanted to dig deeper into exactly what makes these things tick. Also too, joining us on what will become a monthly segment for the, for the season of spring is Julia Demacos. Visit juliademacos.com. She's our veggie expert. She's also a seeding expert. She seeds all of her perennials as well as her veggies. So we're going to be chatting with her on a monthly basis about how exactly she does this, the ins and out. And if you have never heard Julia interact with us and engage with us, well, this will be your first time hearing a bunch of very, very humorous chatting as well as some pretty amazing information. All of that coming up on the growing season on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. Let's get prickly. (laughs) we are b-a-c-k this is the growing season news talk saga 960 a.m follow along with us using our show bits segment Visit growingseasoncanada.com. Click on show bits. It's the visual accompaniment to the show. Many of us are not cacti experts, uh, and you're going to need that show bit segment, the visual accompaniment, to help you through this week's episode. Because holy geez. Guys, why, why did we decide to, to go down this road? What prompted this? Well, you forced us, Matt. <laughs> okay. Yes, there was the there was the uh, delegate responsibility. But why did why do we feel like this is a great subject to be touching on? Not because uh, for for cacti, for instance, Matt, they're they're great survivors in our, in desert environments. That's what I like. Mom, yeah, they're very interesting little plants with great adaptations. Okay, so I guess. The first thing that I'd like to know, and the thing that would be top of mind when it comes to any of our listeners, is why is there the need for the spines? Mom, do you want to hit it? I'm going to let you, Jack. Okay, so Matt, the spine, first of all, what are spines? Okay, so a spine is actually a modified leaf, yes? Very good. Okay, if it would, was a pricko, it would just be the extension of the dermis. Yeah. And if it was an actual thorn, it would be what, man? It would be uh, a modified twig. Yes. So, Matt, they don't have twigs per se, if you think about it on, on a cacti, right? But, Dad, would this spine be performing many of the same functions as a deciduous tree's leaves would? Is it, is it off-gassing oxygen? Is it, is it absorbing carbon dioxide and absolutely matt and another thing it does is they also reduce the amount of radiation and bacteria in the air think about that one it will hold on a second here this is a radiation fixer well i wouldn't call it a radiation fixer but they actually absorb radiation which is one of the rare things that you would find with cacti matt and why 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 is this particular to this why does this do this I think because it wants to. <laughs> <laughs> it's my prerogative. I'll do what I want. <laughs> okay. But Matt, if you think about it for the most part, if you look at the spines, they have basically two functions, okay? The first function would be to, to keep other animals and so forth from munching on them. That would be the one thing. But it also, Matt, just think of them as leaves that we would have on the tree, the smaller spines and so forth. They would be they're in order to actually uh, reduce water loss. Uh, they also help the, the actual, in, in the end, they help the plant to reproduce and spread. 
by you know their seeds and so forth, Matthew. Now, so is, they have that. Is it true that if you are in search of water in a desert or in an arid environment, that if you slice the cactus, like if you slice a hunk of this thing off, it's basically comprised almost entirely of water on the interior. A lot of water, but the the, the problem, Matthew, with it is um, unless you really know which one you're munching on, you could end up having our you know two of our favorite things in the world. Yes, the nausea and the diarrhea. We yeah we get it. Yes, blowing out of both ends. Yeah, gotcha. And even temporary paralysis that may be kind of a negative one as well. What Re- really? Yeah. So yes, you again. There's all sorts of cactus out there that are being eaten, and one of them would be the prickly pear. Okay, that was one that gets eaten quite readily. But Matt, again, unless you really know what you're eating, you you should maybe you know think about it twice because they said that in actuality. The, the fact is, it, it will make you more dehydrated in the long run, and they said you shouldn't be eating it in the first place to begin with, right? Okay, okay. But Matt, they do other things too. They, uh, they the spines also provide shade. They can help regulate your the temperature of the cactus itself as well in the wild, of course, right? I understand that this is a plant organism that is growing in very tropical locations. Are there areas that would be tropical where these things do not favor? Well, cactus are only in North America and South America. What? There's none any in any other part of the world. And okay, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. You're telling me that this is only in the Americas. That's it. You, you yeah, would not find it. nowhere nope. else. No, nowhere else in the world. Nowhere else in the world. And the highest concentration of cactuses you're going to find is in Mexico. But they can grow as far north as B.C. In fact, one area of B.C. that we traveled through many years ago uh, in the lower mainland where it's quite hot and dry, you could see cactus. And they can go right down to the southern parts of Argentina and Chile. Why has this thing not traveled to Asia? Because there's parts of Asia that would be a very similar climate. Oh, yeah. And Africa, too. I don't know. The history of cactus is uh, they've been with us for 30 to 35 million years, and they originated in South America about 25 million years ago as the Andes. The Andes are our youngest mountain range in the Americas. And as the Andes started to pop up, now again, it's not like something that started on a Thursday morning and ended Sunday afternoon. (laughs) You're talking millions and millions of years. Plants that were there, see, as these mountains are growing by a couple centimeters a year, it created a rain shadow. So the plants on the east side of these mountains, it became very arid. So they slowly evolved all these different mechanisms, their spines and the way that they can hold the water to get them through the arid conditions. Now, as the ice sheets in the north, there wasn't as much ice sheets in the south. That's to do with less landmass. But as the earth warmed and the ice sheets in the northern hemisphere receded, the cactus gradually moved north. And so wait a minute, mom. Did it just get the U-Haul packet up and like, yo, we're, we're yeah, they we're, said, hey, no, we're going, we're going up to Arizona. No, no, again, it was very slow. Uh, their seeds are dispersed by birds and that. So, but as the climate changed, they just gradually advanced north. But no, they are found nowhere else in the world. Speaking of arid climates, speaking of tropical nature, I'm I, I marvel at the. The breadth, I marvel at the expansion of the growing season, not only on the radio, but as well as on the podcasted version. Guys, on Valentine's Day, Kellyville, New South Wales, Australia checked in. They're listening to the growing season in Australia. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, And again, routinely getting Russia seems to be a hotspot. I'm not quite sure why. (laughs) They they like gardens, too. Yep. Uh, Macedonia checked in recently. Oh, really? Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so because yeah, now there I wouldn't find be... it very heartwarming that we're it's going international. That it's a, an interest in gardening that's connecting us all, despite our differences in other areas. This interest in gardening is connecting us all. So, so Matthew, I have a question for you. Yes, since you know cactus, yes, they can be used very much so as far as a food source, and they call it actually the food of the future, Matt. Because it can reduce like body weight, it can help with your blood pressure, cholesterol issues, and so forth. But Matt, why are say cactus a lot of cactus in the wild 
having such issues these days. Well, I would imagine this probably has something to do with a very similar topic that we chatted on when we did the Strange But True show about stuff like your Venus flytrap and such, where would this be encroachment of humans onto a cacti's natural habitat? Yeah, yeah. In fact, you don't want to be a saguaro in uh, the Sonora Valley in, or the Sonora Desert in Arizona because um, some people developed this sort of game of shooting them. What? They thought it was funny to shoot these wonderful saguaro cactus to the point that in some of the national parks there in Arizona, they have cactus police patrolling, making sure, or saguaro police patrolling, making sure people aren't shooting them. So, wait a minute, There's, people just take a gun out and blow the cactus off? Yeah. They yeah. Call, There's actually, yeah. They're actually if, if you look it up in Wikipedia, they call it cactus plugging. I'm not kidding you, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's a game. It's a game. And but let's think about this for one second, okay? Average tree, you know, you're looking in in 150 to 200 year old range, right? Yeah. But routinely, it's not unusual for these saguaros to live approximately 150 to 200 years. Okay, so that's a long time. And Matt, just think about this for one second. They can grow something like three to 16 meters. That's 10 to say 52 feet high. But they can also have a, a diameter at the base mat of about. 30 inches in diameter, so they can get very large at the base. And here's a really cool fact. For every one foot of growth on a saguaro, that represents, they they can actually store within their pleats approximately 90 pounds of linen or pounds of water. I think it's pounds of water. Yeah. 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 Pounds of water, Matt. Wow. Okay. So first of all, for our audience, again, thank you for tuning in. This is the growing season on News Talk Saga 960 AM. My parents made mention of this thing called the saguaro cactus. Now, to me, I always referred to this thing, and mistakenly so, but I always referred to this thing as the Texas longhorn. Okay, like the yeah, longhorn I've cactus. Seen. Okay, yep. this is your classic cactus that you will see the wily coyote and the roadrunner they're out in the middle of the desert and you see these things but it's called the the guys with the arms yeah this is the arms raised cactus this is the one that whenever you see anything cowboy related or whenever you see anything arid desert related on television they this is your common trope this is your stereotype of desert they throw one of these sagueros in so you think about it matt so they said that Okay, there's one out there that has no long, is no longer with us. It's called Old Granddaddy, okay? Okay. This thing was approximately 300 years old, which, by the way, is very old. And it started to die back in the 1990s. Now, the thing about this, Matt, was, you know, they, they, they form arms as they grow, okay? And it could take years and years before they firm, form their first arm. But get this, Matt. This thing was over 40 feet tall, had 52 arms on it. Now, hold on a second, though. What you're saying here, as per your notes, is the saguaro cactus can become quite heavy. At full capacity, a foot of saguaro cactus can weigh upwards to 90 pounds. Right. So it's not necessarily saying 90 pounds of water, but it's saying that it can weigh up to 90 pounds. No, it takes on 90 pounds of water per foot. That's insane. That's a big point. So what they were saying, Matt, is that this thing... Basically, it has multiple purposes, too. It's it's good for animals. You know, they, they would live in it and so forth. And even birds would actually dig cavities within the cactus itself. And therefore, that's how they, they have a home. But Matt, the, the pulpy flesh, you know, over the years had been eaten and so forth. And they uh, they actually are amazing plants in themselves, Matt. But the fact around that people go around and shoot these things is just beyond stupid. Well, yeah, you got to okay. be bored because, I mean, the thing doesn't even run. Like, it's, no, a, it's no. a cactus. Now, this is, we're calling this one of the defining elements of the Sonoran Desert. Where is that? Where is the Sonoran Desert? Uh, it's, it's from what I know, and I didn't look up the exact location. It's in Arizona. Okay. Now, okay. I would have to go and, and, and look up exactly where it is. Okay, you guys talk. I'm going to look up. Go. So, yeah. now, anyways, the, the uh, old granddaddy, it got finally got taken out by a windstorm. Uh, because again, good old climate change and our, our monsoons and so forth, and so it was, it, it got destroyed that way. But Matt, these things can take high temperatures. Even the the young, they, they, the thing about cactus, they can have millions of seeds, Matthew, when they form their flowers and the bees come along and so forth, and other insects to pollinate. 
but only a very few of them actually get to to a state where they're actually going to form a new cactus. This is the biggest problem. It's two to five percent of the hundreds of seeds that they hundreds millions millions. In yeah, it's only yeah in its lifetime. It's only two to five percent seeds that actually create another cactus. Okay, so here we go. This is uh, by the way, mommy, you're dead on. Uh, you oh, said, am I okay? You I was, said you said I Arizona, right? Yeah, Arizona. Okay, so only a certain portion of Arizona is considered to be in the Sonoran Desert. So Phoenix, Arizona is part of the the Sonoran Desert. Tucson, uh, Bahia Aquino, uh, Nogales. But where it gets interesting is there's parts of California. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Yep. But Matt, wow. not only that, they also don't like to grow above 4,000 feet, okay? So you mean, and sorry, so 4,000 4, feet above sea level? Yes. Sea level. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's for yeah. the saguaro. And that's for the saguaro. They don't really like it. But Matt, the thing is, they, they said, yes, if you in a pinch, if you had to, you could drink the water. And they say that because they have these interesting pleats, they have pleats, so they expand like an accordion idea, Matt. Yeah, and when they Dad, take okay, on water. But Dad, why? what's the pleat purpose? And for listeners that don't know, if you go, really go up and investigate a cactus, it's got these pleats. It's like the pleats on the front of your khakis. Yes. Why? why? They, they, well, because they need those, Matt, in order for them to change the physical structure in order to accommodate the water that they're taking on, gotcha. right? Okay. And do, do the pleats expand and allow them to take yes. more water and on? Then, and then reduce cool. as they use the water up. It's kind of cool, Matthew. It's really neat, man. It's really neat. And again, Matt, 300 years old, and they're, they're shooting them. Like The average age, 150 to 200 years. But, Matt, it's a, it's a shame. And, I, again, people are can be stupid. And I don't think taking a gun to a cactus has got any sort of merit or relevance in our world today, right? Okay. Now, one of the most notable things here for me is these suckers can get between 10 and 52 feet tall. Can you imagine a 52? This is a sugar maple that's a cactus. Absolutely. And you know what, Matt? Not all of them get arms, okay? It's... And, and as they get older, they get the arms as well. But not all of them will get arms. Uh, Matt, do you know, one of the coolest things, okay, is that when you were little, I don't know what your age was, you you got a cactus, and I think you called it Spike, Yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And it was a golden barrel cactus. Remember that one? Yep. Yep. Looked like a little, it looked like a little, it was about the size of a baseball covered in spikes. Absolutely. Yep. And Matt, they're a great little one to get. And mom, do you want to hit it on that one for a minute? Yeah, they also, another name for it is mother-in-law's cushion. It's, okay. It comes from east-central Mexico, and it's rare and endangered in the wild. And again, that's because of uh, human encroachment. It could live to be 50 to 100 years old in the best condition, and it grows two to four feet. But it can grow, it can grow even taller than that. Now, yours, I remember, was fairly oh, little. Yeah, it was maybe, it, if it was six inches, that would have been... No, maybe it would have been about six it inches. It was a good size, yeah. and I remember, I remember the odd time, you know, <laughs> getting spiked by it. So yeah. I have a major question for you. This is a big one. This is a yeah. good question for you. So if the if these things are living in the wild, okay, let's say the golden barrel is fifty to hundred years roughly, and then you got your other your cigars and so forth are living, say, one hundred and fifty to two hundred years. What's the average life that they live indoor inside your home? Twenty years. Ten years. Really? And I, you know what? I bet you I know why. Overwater. Overwater yeah. is number one. Yeah. You overwater a cactus, they, the roots will get root rot and they will die. Now, just think about how a cactus is getting its water supply in the desert, okay? So you would get a, a very flash flood idea happening. Yeah. So the cactus will take the water that it requires and it won't take any uh, anymore. And it will hold that long enough so that during times of drought, it will be able to use it, right? Now, Dad, person- is, now, Dad, is this why the the saguaros have the arms? Because when they're full of water, they do the pee-pee dance, and they're just shaking <laughs> their arms about? <laughs> you they know store what, water Dad? in their arms. <laughs> they store water in their arms. You know? <laughs> yeah. Not in their, in their bladders, okay? Yeah. No, they don't yes. have any bladders as far as we know. Yeah. No. But, Matt, I, just think about that for a minute. We're overwatering these things. So... During the same, from December through February, they recommend you only to water your cactus once. But see, this is okay. I, I can see why people are overwatering it because it's counterintuitive. 
like with most tropical plants, you stick your finger in. For our audience, here's the general rule, okay? With your tropical plant, most tropical plants do well with drying out between waterings, okay? So if you stick your finger into that tropical plant and you push your finger down to the first knuckle of your finger, if it's fairly dry down to the first knuckle of, the, of, your, of your finger, please feel free to water. But with the cactus, this is completely not that way at all. You're saying between, sorry, what was it, November to February? Yes. Water yeah. it once. No, no, I said, I said it, yeah, December. November to February. You're yeah. right, yeah. So, Matt, yeah. just once, okay? Otherwise, they said, you know what? Once a month is fine. Otherwise, but Matt, when it's flowering, Matt, it will need more water. Now, I think I know the reason why, but for our audience, my guess is that when it's flowering, it'll need more water because it's taxing itself more. It's, it's, it's doing more. Therefore, it needs more resources to help prop itself up. Yes. Yes, it needs more energy in order to keep the blooms intact and going, Matt, because if the final end product is going to be seeds, okay, that okay. it can produce in order to make little ones. Then, Dad, on a golden barrel cactus, how much, like as far as times per year or whatever, how often are you to expect a flower on this thing? Actually, Matthew, it, it takes a while for them to flower. It can take years for you to get them to finally flower. The conditions all have to be right in order for it to actually physically flower. So it's not going to be something that you're going to see happen right away. On the golden barrel, I believe it's, what color is on the golden barrel? Yellow? Yeah, yellow, white. And most cactuses flower between April and June. I know that when people would go out and, and buy them, they would might be in bloom already and it might be years again before they actually are going to be blooming again so but Matt normally speaking they the color on cactus for the most part are really pretty mums mentioned some of them but white pink red orange yellow even purple and it's amazing Matt you see a desert environment where they're growing all of a sudden just bang come up come to life and again they they all bloom at different times so that's spread out over maybe a four six eight week period Matt is there something that you can do? Let's say you have an indoor cactus. Is there something that you can do that will increase the likelihood of flower or that will speed up the likelihood of flower? Is there anything that you're able to do? You know what, Matt? I have absolutely no uh, problem talking about cactus, but I absolutely know nothing about how to make them change their color and become flowery. Okay, Mom, you do. Yeah, I've had some luck. Uh, you do your routine cactus care, but two things you have to do to get them to make their little flowers, or their big flowers, is they you get them, they have to go through their dormancy period, that's November through February, and then they need a dark light period. So you have your cactus in the light for eight hours a day, and then you put it for 16 hours in dark. And this is absolute darkness. You can't even turn a light on. So the best place would be a cool closet because they like a temperature of 61 degrees Fahrenheit. So you're messing with it. So you're messing with their photo period? Like, yes. Like poinsettias? Yes, just like poinsettias, wow. but not as long. It's just you need at least eight days of doing this dark light thing. But even even when it's resting in the wintertime, it doesn't want the temperatures to be too high. It doesn't want you to, like I said, don't water it much. And on top of that, do not fertilize it. Because none of that is none of that is happening in the plant itself, Matt. Well, and the number of times that I've seen discussions on tropical plants where they have said your tropical plant does not necessarily want to be in blasting full sunlight. They would prefer no. to be in a bright room, but not in direct sunlight. Especially they they say bonsai are very, very choosy. They want to be in a room that is bright but not necessarily by the sliding door where the sun is just coming in and roasting them all afternoon. Or the other way around, the drafts. Same thing as most yeah. tropical plants, Matt. Yeah. But, but the idea is in the wild, as this thing gets older, it gets a thicker and thicker skin, so it's not going to be getting sun scald as often as, say, a young plant would be getting. But it's all, again, like you said, location, uh, fertilizing, flower you know for flower and water when it's flowering again but matt these things are on the fussy side oh, i don't say fussy maybe to, to keep them alive but to try to get them to bloom again you know i i have actually tried it over the years matt i've never been able to get them to bloom and i know people out there have great success so it also has to do with the variety that you're using there's one out there called um i think here for a second the bunny ears cactus are you familiar with that one matt yeah well this is the one it looks like it's got like little 
bunny ears, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's super cool, Matt. And it doesn't really have spines per se, but it has something called let me think here, gloquids. Okay. Okay. And these things are actually basically there to help preserve water and conserve moisture, that kind of idea. And again, Matt, as you know, spy, uh, spines are just modified leaves that help in the process of photosynthesis. Yeah, these things, ha- they almost look like a, like a Brillo pad. They, it, it almost looks like a sponge or some kind of a weird surface on it, yeah? Yeah. yeah. But if you get these glow kits from the bunny cactus, bunny ears cactus in your skin, they're really hard to remove. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's perfect. On the other side, we're going to be chatting more cacti and Julia Demacos of juliademacos.com joins us and tells us what she is seeding this time of the year being February. She's Lenny's Jack. I'm Matt. On the other side, more pricks. Thanks to the sounds of horticulture for for bringing us in. I always sit back and smile at the sound of the skid steer or the um, bulldozer type thing starting up because that's going to be very much a part of my life coming up in the very near future, just hearing that. Dad, Dad, do you remember getting on a job site and you turn these things on? There is nothing quite like the smell of diesel in a very, very early morning, eh? <laughs> or you. <laughs> or me. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's not the diesel, guys. That's my son. We left you off... You know what, Matthew? Yeah. Cactus are, are, like I say, if you have them indoors, there's a couple little things you must remember. So if you are going to be move, transplanting these, they don't need a monstrous pot, okay, when you're actually planting and replanting them into another size pot. Okay. One size up would do, would do just fine, Matt. But think about it for the most part. Uh, uh, even the saguaros, they, their root systems don't really go down much more than about two feet, okay? So they're trying to collect water at the surface. And so, again, water is a key issue, Matthew. Okay. First of all, growingseasoncanada.com, click on show bits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. So you're talking about transplanting, which brings up a wonderful chat here, okay? Because there's nothing quite like slipping into a perfect bed. Okay, now I like my bed nice and cool with a sort of a smooth sheet and the whole thing. As far as bedding material, a.k.a. soil, what the heck are these things growing in? I understand outdoors it would be different, but if you're trying to simulate that indoors, what the heck are you supposed to be doing? Now you buy cactus soil or cactus okay. medium for All right. Okay. That's what I would do. I wouldn't take a chance on it. And Matt, the whole thing is that the size of the container... Remember, they, they, you should water from the bay, from the bottom, okay? Don't water from the top. Normally, you would water from the top, and that draws oxygen down and so forth. But you want them to be able to draw the water themselves, okay? So you want to make sure that they're drawing whatever they need and you're not overwatering. So if you have a tendency, when a person would take a, a container of water and they pour it on, so what they want to do is they, they'll pour it in and then it'll pee itself, you know, come out the bottom. Yep, happens to me so all the time. It, yeah, I know. <laughs> but Matt, for cactus, you should generally just fill up that little container on the bottom and let it draw the water as it needs it, not what you think it needs, right? Okay. Now, Dad, should you be submerged watering these things? And for our audience that doesn't know, submerged watering means you take your, your tropical plant and you run a bathtub or you run your, even in your kitchen sink, depending on the size of the tropical, and you literally dunk the pot in the in the, in the the water and that water goes up through the drainage holes and then down over the top and it makes sure that 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 tropical plant is adequately evenly watered. Is this what you do with the cacti? I think you can give it a, initially, I think you can give it a, you never know what it was like when you got it from the store. Right. So you could give it a soaking then. But remember, water is a thing. In in the environment that it's used to living, it is not used to living in in an environment where there's lots of water. So it will take it as it needs it. And that's a key thing. And if you are transplanting it, here's another thing. Make sure that you do not water it much or fertilize at all for, for a month, Matthew. It doesn't need a lot, okay, because it's living in a very arid environment. And just think about what the environment it is actually surviving in. 
and don't try to make it grow in a, an environment like where it's kind of swampy. Okay, so you'd be having an environment where you know, like a bog plant. It's not a bog plant. It's a desert plant that lives in a very dry, arid type of soil, Matthew. So. It doesn't require a lot, and whatever it needs, it generally will take from the environment itself. And in our case, we have a tendency to try to overdo. Okay, yeah. we overwater, we yeah. overfertilize, we do a lot of things that really is not conducive to the plant growing itself, Matt. But Matt, out there, there's a really cool one. It's actually called what, Lynn? The old lady cactus. Yeah, okay. I love it. And before we go on on this, because you guys make mention of the best cacti to grow indoors, bunny ears, which we've chatted about. The chin and cactus doesn't develop spines. Right, that's right. Yeah, it has those. Sorry, what did you call them? Glycosides or glo- globules or yeah, glocus. Okay, and the, there's a chin cactus, the saguaro cactus. People are growing these monsters indoors. Sure, sure, but they don't get anything like they do outdoors. Okay, but there, I've seen some large ones in various uh, horticultural areas that you go to visit. You know, like. Edwards Gardens or any of these would have a, 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 an arid zone, okay, a desert zone. Yeah. And even down in California, we saw them in an area that was, they had a desert area and they had all the different uh, environments, Savannah and so forth, Matt. So you see them all over the place and they can get big. They also get very heavy. So you're going to have to make sure wherever you put them, they're going to stay there, right? Now, Dad, now, now you made mention about root system on these things and we'll get to the old lady cactus in a second, but... So you're telling me that a stiff breeze is going to blow these things over simply because they just don't have much of a root system because most of their water would be would be at the top, like at, at, at surface grade. Right. 90, I would say 95% or so. The roots are generally fairly dry. It's just you there for transplanting or transporting moisture that it requires. Yeah. Huh. Okay. But Matt, you know, they do go out a number of feet from the actual trunk itself. Some of them will go down fairly deep depending on the variety again. But for the most part, two feet down and maybe, you know, maybe three, four feet out from the actual cactus itself. And that's about its growing medium that it requires. Huh. Okay. Old lady cactus. Why would this be one of the best cacti to grow indoors? And why is it called the old lady cactus? Wait a minute. Do you want to know why, Matthew, I picked this one? Why? (laughs) It looks like a boob with... (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Really? Okay. It does. Okay. It does. Let me go. I'm going to Google right gray now. She's got gray hairs on it as well. Oh, yeah. that nothing says. Okay, fantastic. Old lady cactus. This is me on Google. Old lady cactus. Let's go look at this thing. It has purple flowers, though, Matthew. Yep. This mm-hmm. absolutely. There's something breast-like about this thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's okay. sun-loving and it's easy to grow, so it's a good one if you're just starting to get into cactus. This is a good one to choose. Mom, it has, Mom this thing is bedazzled with pinky purple flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're reddish-purple flowers. Yeah. And the stems, are it's kind of a spherical-looking thing. Yeah. Now, it, it, well, it can get white, uh, sharp white spines, and it gets white down on it. Now, what is, okay, what is the down? And whenever I see down like this, I continually go back to, like, babies in nature, right? So you look at the baby penguin, they're covered in down. You look at whatever. Does it have to do with age? uh, Not necessarily in a cactus. Now, when a a cactus is suffering, it's very easy to tell because it looks, it'll get kind of shriveled up looking, right? Okay. And it requires... It doesn't. It hasn't got enough water, or we've overwatered it, or whatever, and it has a sick look to it. But Matt, as a cactus gets older, it's not like where we will keep changing our, you know, layers of our skin and so forth. They'll get these almost like um, calluses that form, and they look really kind of old and <laughs> bedraggled, <Moldy? laughs> uh, yeah, moldy looking. After as they get older, and and it's the thing is that's one of the main reasons they die within your home after about ten years because people start looking at these things and say, "Man, they're ugly." And they throw them out, <laughs> and then they get rid of them. Do you think the white down on this particular cactus protects it from uh, predators and also from the sun, and maybe helps it collect dew? Because I'm wondering, in the desert, the days are hot and dry, and the nights are cool. So these cactus like cool nights and then with that fluctuation in temperature you'd get dew so the white down might help it collect dew uh, it does and then it transfers down towards the ground where the roots can get it and then it transfers back up again but now here's a really cool one for you i don't know if we have much time yep but 
you ever heard about the teddy bear cactus? No, I have not. This is one, again, I can see it on the notes here. I've never heard of this thing. Well, it's not cuddly like a teddy bear, that's for sure. Okay. The other name for it is the jumping chola. And if you get too close to this cactus, I'd love to see a YouTube video of this, a segment will break off and fly at your body. What? Now, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I've never I've never heard of this before. This is obviously going to think somewhere there'd be a video. I'm wondering if it's a defense mechanism. Well, I say when they say get too close, I'm wondering if you actually accidentally brush up against it. Okay. But yeah. And so what? It, like it, projectile? Yeah. It'll fly at your body. Yes, yeah, a flying cactus. Yeah, I... Yeah, I don't think I'd want to. I don't think I'd want to experience that. And but. you know what? Here's another one you should take with a grain of salt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah agreed. Yeah. Now, I'm just wondering if a person went by, maybe walked quickly and hit it, and and the piece, you know, it flew off at quite a speed and it looked like it was flying. I don't know. Okay, and yeah. why do they call it a teddy bear cactus? What, what, because there's nothing like I'm, I'm looking there's at this thing. There's nothing ugly about that. No. I don't know. Maybe it's its shape. They didn't really explain why it's called a teddy bear cactus because I couldn't make the relationship between the two. This thing attacks you and it's a teddy bear. Teddy bears are supposed to be huggy. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, we're going to have to, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to insert a video. There's, there has to be a video of one of the, of like one of the cactus attacks on these things, on people, because that to me feels, did you know, guys, that, Part of the tarantula's defense mechanism is it can actually shoot the small hairs on its back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But are you 100% sure about that, Matthew? Is that part of it? That's what they said. They said that they're they're able to shoot it and they they generally aim at the animal's eyes. And it's a way of, it's not necessarily blind you, but it's more of an irritant. And it's a way of allowing the tarantula to to basically evade capture, to, to get away. But you know, Matt, this thing too has a really defense mechanism. It, they also call it uh, creeping de- uh, devil, right, Lynn? Yes. This this cactus is on Mexico's west coast. Coast now, supposedly, this cactus can move. Again, <laughs> you wonder, but it, it uproots itself, and it, so it, it it moves away from its roots, so the its end is dying, and then on top of that, it cannibalizes the dead end. To survive, Matt. What? <laughs> to survive. So again, okay. this would be one that you could. Uh, video will be really interesting. Okay, cool. Joining us now on the line, and we actually pre-taped this. Joining us now on the line is Julia Demacos. Visit juliademacos.com. She's our veggie expert, and she's going to be joining us once a month to let us know exactly what it is that she's seeding. So she's growing horticultural organisms by seed, and not not just vegetables. Actually, she's actually also doing herbs and some of her perennials and, and annuals. On the line right now is Miss Julia Demacos, and as usual, we are so proud and happy to have. She's practically family at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, Julia Demacos joins us. She is our veggie guru. Now, I take great delight in calling her Jay Dizzle, which is her, which is her hip-hop name. Uh, but Julia is going to be joining us off and on now for the next couple of months because she is a wonderful expert in the seeding of vegetables as well as plants. And we wanted to know what Julia is seeding right now. Now, in the commercial break, you didn't hear it, but it is complete lunacy. It's complete frivolity. And we, we have to generally have a longer commercial break before we have Julia on because it's just this giggling like a bunch of high school girls. Julia, thank you for joining us. How are things? Things are so much fun. Good. Yes. Yes. We've heard that. <laughs> the we've, gardening room. we've heard much of that. Now, it, 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 contrary to, uh, sorry, are the reports true that you are pumping some sort of nitrous gas into the gardening room to make things a lot more fun? Because you are, you are, you are happy. There's like giggliness no there's nothing funny being pumped I think in it's the plants they're pumping it to me gotcha. i think it's just you know it's humid in the gardening room it's toasty and warm did you say it's, it's humid green. or it's humid humid oh good humid, humid. Yeah. humid. Yes. yes wonderful okay it is february julia what are you seeding right now and uh are there any tips or tricks because i'll tell you i seed nothing I leave that to the nurseries. They can, they can, I just would like to buy the product. But you, you are like sleeves rolled up, gloves on, going nuts. You're like seeding this. What are you seeding right now? And are there any tricks for those that are thinking about jumping into this for February seeding? 
So I used to also buy plants, many plants in the beginning. I would start my vegetables, but then I would, the extras, I would purchase. But because the winter feels so long, I now I start everything that I can and it makes the winter actually feel a lot shorter. This is a nice little break. So I do start a lot of my flowers this month. And the ones that I have started are pansies, petunias, dianthus, snapdragons, coneflowers, and roselles. And you can also start pelargoniums this month, which are, no, geraniums. Yeah. yeah. And so I do that. And also because certain vegetables need a really long time. So you could start leeks this month, onions, shallots, uh, celery, celeriac. They take about 10 months to grow hold on, from hold start on. to finish. Celeriac? What is celeriac? Celeriac is celery root. So okay. if you go to the grocery store and you see that funny, oh, lumpy, yeah. whitish kind of vegetable, you're okay. not sure what it is, and you smell it, it smells like celery, but it's a lot milder than the than the stalks. Because celeriac uh, so- sounds like something from, from, like, from like Star Trek. We're here on the captain's. <laughs> it kind of looks like something from Star Trek too. If you look at it, <laughs> so, and when you pull it out of the ground, it's got legs and they kind of all curl around this themselves. Is... So you would start celeriac. Wait a minute, Julia, Julia. So how do you know that the seeds that you're purchasing or that you're using are viable in the first place? How do you even know? So when you're purchasing fresh seed from a seed company, typically on the back, they should have uh, the date that they were or the year that they were packaged for, and also should give you a germination percentage. So companies would typically run a germination test, and then there'd be a certain percentage, whether it's 90 or 82 or 70%, whatever that would be, and they would write that at the back of the seed packet. So then you know. So that's a new packet. Yep, that would be a fresh packet, and it should be like that. You shouldn't purchase they should give you at least 90% germination rate or 80% at least in the first year. But then after that, if they're stored properly and I store my seeds in a cool, dark place, like in my cupboard and my special cabinet that I have, they're pretty viable for a long time. But the thing is with onions, the, the onions, the alliums and the celery and celeriac, they don't have a long viability rate. So you, you should really replace those seeds every year. So if you are going to be starting them from seed, you want to buy fresh seed because they just don't last as long. So huh. would you recommend stratifying? Your seeds in advance? No, nope, none of those seeds need any kind of stratification. Okay, now hold on a second. Hold on. All right, listen, you two <laughs> garden nerds. Okay, for our audience that doesn't know what that word means, who wants to answer this? I'll let you two grab the swords and duke it out. But stratification. What? Chill Again. period. So, so do you want the quick and dirty, or do you want the long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know my fan of dirty. Okay. Uh, give it to me, Julia. Give it to me dirty. <laughs> so stratification is a period of cold treatment. So, for example, garlic, you put it in the ground in the fall. It needs a period of cold yeah. treatment over the winter, and then it would sprout the following year. Okay. So stratification means cold treatment. Okay. Now, if your husband does something wrong... Do you stratify him? Do you give him the cold treatment? Because <laughs> I got to tell you, I get stratified a lot here. Let me tell you. I am constantly being stratified. Oh, Matt. <laughs> oh, that's not very nice, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then, so then, Julia, as far as it goes, so in your February seeding journey, give us the, give us the thing that you learned most, what was the aha moment in February seeding? Like, was there something where you're like, okay, put this in the iPhone note. Don't ever do that again, ever. No. That's a lull. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just too good. I'm beyond no, that. No, there really isn't anything. You know, I think that with when it comes to like, leeks and onions people have different opinions as to when to start them leeks for sure i would say now and then some people say start them in a little bit later some people wait but i've found success starting them now at this time of year i know some people start them in january you know there's a lot of people that say it's too early to start these things so you know in terms of that i would say like my mental note would be like no i can start it in february it is effective and it does work Another thing I would say is celery and celeriac. They grow very similar in terms of their seed length and they dry out. So if you let them dry out, they just won't make it. They'll collapse. So these are the notes like if, in terms of how you think about it is don't let the onions, don't let the celery dry as a seedling. They don't like drying out or they will. They just won't make it. They won't uh, produce a good seedling for you, a strong plant. So then, Julia, when you are like, are you... When you're growing these things, are you do are you using like some manner of like growing rack or something? Is it like a rack system that you're using? Yes. So I use grow lights. 
Okay. And the grow lights, I have different kinds. And so I have ones that we built that are just like wood shelves. And then I have shop lights that hang above them and they're on chains and they're easily adjustable. And I adjust the lights to be two inches from the tops of the seedlings ah. at all times. And that way you keep the strongest uh, lumens. You know, they need to have as much yeah. contact as possible. And then I also have wire racks that I use. And on those wire racks, you can also hang the chains or you can do uh, LED, which I have on the wire racks. And they don't actually move and I just kind of keep them you know, in one place and then the, the, the racks and the different trays go underneath them. So I do both kinds, but yeah, definitely it makes it a lot easier. Some people have a table where they have a light hanging over top and it can have the chains if you're not growing a lot, but in my case I need to. So uh, yeah, definitely racks. It just makes things so much easier and takes up a lot less space. So Julia, you're just talking about lighting. So you've got sunlight outside and you got your normal light inside and then you've got your grow lights. So is the, is it basically very okay? Your grow lights are they very similar to what you're getting outdoors? Is it a whole, is it a time thing going on? Is it the length of time they're exposed? There's several there's several factors. So the light needs to be on for 16 hours a day. I keep mine on 16, 16 hours a day. Hours? Wow. Yeah, and eight hours rest. So some people do 17. I mm. do 16, and some people do less. But the thing is, I want my seedlings to have short, stocky stems, and if the lights hang close to them. And they don't need, they don't have a need to become lanky and lean towards the light. So if you put them by your window, there's not enough light level right now. Plus at this time of year, the sense is at a lower level. So the plants are leaning towards the window. And they're just, what that means is they're growing on the one side more than the other. Yeah. They're actually leaning. They just happen to be growing that direction. So you need to turn them. But because the light level is so low at this time of year, it's just not enough light in the window and then your lights in your room definitely not enough light right because the further you are from the light source the less light there is the less lumens there are so that's why grow lights if you really want to have like healthy plants and if you want to start early right now you need to use grow lights a window just isn't enough light however if you're starting them in may and you want to put cucumbers in the window or tomatoes there's enough light at that time of year because they're first of all the days are longer and the sun sits higher so there's just a lot more lumens going to those plants and you can get away with it but sunlight is basically what? Okay, so it, when you're growing them indoors, and if you don't have, say, the grow lights, it would do with what? The, the red and blue light as well as the photons that you would receive from the sunlight? It's just all a time thing? I guess so. But see, I use different kinds of lights. So my T12s are daylight bulbs, and they're the least expensive ones. They, you can buy a pack of 10 for, I don't know, 30 bucks or something, mm -hmm. 40 bucks. I'm not sure what they cost at Home Depot, but they're not expensive. And they work just fine as long as you hang them two inches above. Now, I have this year, I'm trying, I'm trialing one shelf with eight uh, grow light T12s that I just got. And they're a lot more expensive. They're $10 each. But I just want to see if it makes a difference. And the lights themselves are kind of pinkish in color. So they're different. They have a different, I guess, different UV coming off of them. Yep. And now the LEDs that I have, I have LEDs that project white light and I have LEDs that have like purples and reds and so you know but the thing is yeah. i have from the beginning i've been doing this 10 years i have found success with just daylight t12 so if you don't need to get technical if you're not growing something that needs a special kind of light i think that anyone can get started with just a daylight inexpensive t12 you know try to get the four lights per shop light fixture yeah. as opposed to two because two just doesn't cover enough of a tray like a tray would be covered perfectly with a four light um, Can I ask one more yes. light question? Yep. Before sure. Matt, Matt goes and shoots me. But <laughs> so when you're starting the seeds, and you know you you actually plant them within the, the growing medium itself, does it matter anything about light? Is it all about moisture? Uh, depends on the seed. So some seeds do need light to germinate, and some prefer not. So for the ones that I started, pansies are the only ones that prefer darkness to wow. yeah to germinate. Ooh. So I don't put those in my under my lights. I keep them on the shelf, the turned off lights. And then as soon as I see germination, then I put them in the light. For oh, some reason, this is the recommendation. Uh, however, many of the others d do need light. And actually, things like, you know, snapdragons, they're just a teeny tiny uh, seed. Last month, I, I planted Lysianthus, which is even tinier. It has a little pellet on it because you can't even see it. That needs light. So I don't even put, I just basically place it on the soil and leave it like that. So yeah, depends on what you're growing you know and then the ones that you need to bury like the big seeds once we get into later on into the season like the cucurbits yep. and tomatoes you don't want to plant them on the soil surface they need to be buried in the soil beans as well and peas 
they don't need light to germinate. So those ones, when you bury them in the soil, that covers the need. You could still put them under the grow light, but the soil is keeping them, giving them darkness and allowing them to germinate. Wonderful. Excellent. Julia. Ma- Julia. Oh, oh go sorry. for it, mom. I was so Julia, close. Now you, you harvest your own seeds too, from the plants in the fall. Um, how do you store them? And the question I want to ask, if you've stored them and then you come in January or February and look at them and they're, they've gone moldy for whatever reason, are you able to plant them or does moldy mean that's it, they're useless? Moldy means bad. That means there was moisture. And when you're drying your seeds, they have to dry to be rock hard. So when the yeah. seed could be broken with, you know, if you were to take a hammer to it or broken in half, hard then then you can store them you don't want to store anything that has any kind of moisture yeah. or give to the seeds yeah so they have to be completely dry completely dry rock yeah. hard dry wonderful thank you so much julia if people want to find you online where do they go how do they do that you can find me on my website at juliademakos.com so just my name j-u-l-i-a-d-i-m-a-k-o-s.com you can also find me on instagram at the same at juliademakos and you can find me on facebook at Julie DeMarco's Gardening Girl, and definitely check out my YouTube channel as well, Gardening Girl. You can find me there, and I have a ton of videos. And you need to go there because she is an angel. She's fantastic. She's an absolute angel. Julia, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And that is it. Fantastic. Julia joins us. It's always a great time. Guys, thank you for the wonderful cactus information. This is fantastic. Now, Mom, there was a little piece of information that we didn't get to just before we had a chat with Julia. Sorry, a baby cactus is called a what? A pup. A pup? Yeah. As in P-U-P? Yeah, you got yeah it, as yeah. in P-U-P. Yeah, a baby cactus this is called cute. a pup. That's so cute. That's absolutely cute. It's fantastic. Okay, so for more information on cactuses, please please join us on our landline segments. They, they're they airing basically twice a month right now on uh, all across Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and such, okay? And if you're following us on any of those socials, on Facebook and on Twitter, we always do have little commercials letting you know when the next one airs, and then once the full-blown growing season, pardon the pun, kicks in, then we're back to once a week. Speaking of growing season, growingseasoncanada.com, click on contact. That allows you to interact with us if you are interested in landscape designs, landscape consults, and uh, landscape installs, although my install calendar is filling up rapidly. And I can't believe the amount of interest in consults and landscape designs. I have no less than seven or eight on the table right now that have to be done prior to about April 1st. So it's been a busy, busy, busy winter that way. And again, growingseasoncanada.com, click on TGS Live. That's for all the library of our landline segment, as well as podcast. All the shows are podcasted there. And directly after this episode airs, you will see on show bits, the podcasted version of this show appears. Guys, we always end the show in a very similar way. Two cactuses, guys, are talking to each other. Spike, the cactus, asks, Hey, do you know how to speak human? And Spinette, the cactus, replies, Yeah, it's easy. They just say, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Mom? Till next time, have a good one. And please be safe. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.